Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So, uh, happy holidays, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> when do we get a different storyline for this team? When do we get to to try a new like DLC? Like we we do a new campaign for the Red this Wings. This is we bought the premium package this year. We we went out and bought the Patrick Kane playable character. We this, spent top NHL bucks or whatever they want to call N bucks. Batman bucks. Batman bucks. It's the exact same thing as what. EA, NHL, and Call of Duty do. It's just the same game reskinned every year. This year they have the Patrick Kane, you win some games at the start skin, but every December without fail, the wheels fall off. The story writing is just it's lazy. Subpar. It's lazy, unoriginal. The NHL story writers, lazy. The, the scientists running the lab that our universe exists in in a simulator lazy it's all lazy they're just like the rest of us pretending to work in december <laughs> you're gonna email me practically on christmas day december 19th someone someone booked me for a meeting at 3 p.m yesterday no. and i'm on vacation today starting well starting day until the new year i was like you have 15 minutes that's <laughs> half an hour you get half of that oh the red wings man the red wings thank goodness it's the holidays and you know what for their sake too which we'll talk about because I think everyone's just tired. Can't wait till they do the social media posts where the players walk by and they say, what do you want for Christmas or what do you want to do different in 2024? Yeah, who's going to say play hockey better and revive their career? I think it will be, if there's 20 players on the Red Wings, 17 should probably say I play hockey better. Yeah. Something I, what that was pointed out to me is, since I went on my honeymoon and left for a couple episodes, that's when things fell off uh, the rails. So I got targeted in our Discord last night. They're like, well, what's the record since you went on your golf trip? I was like, fair enough. Yeah, this is also our fault. bad. <laughs> this is our fault. Brad, you returning might bring things back into line. We're 0 2 since I've done that. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast, folks. Full roster today. Our last episode before our. Christmas break here, here to talk to you about all things hockey, the world of the NHL, Detroit Red Wings, and lots more. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we'll be talking about the Detroit Red Wings and their two phenomenal games that they've played since the last time we spoke. Everyone's hurt. Everyone's injured. Oh, except for, no, that, that, now they're injured too, so we'll talk about all that. There's going to be a lot of discourse on the Red Wings, and that's how I'll package that one up. There's some NHL news in terms of DJ Smith in Ottawa was fired and some potential good news for Bally Sports down the road and whatever else we get into before overtime. Before all that, I want to let you know that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by Labatt Blue Light. Created in 1983, this premium light Canadian Pilsner is a delicately balanced beer brewed with Cascade hops and a blend of malt. It's fresh, crisp, and brewed to the highest quality standards. There's a little bit of Canadian kindness in every sip of Labatt Blue Light. How did it get in there? They're Canadian. That's how. You can spread the love yourself by sharing a Labatt. So head to the link in the description of this episode or the one you see on your screen to find Labatt in stores near you today. You must be 21 or older, and as always, enjoy responsibly. Also, if you want to go above and beyond to support the Winged Wheel podcast and allow us to do things like Winged Wheel podcast night at the LCA, Winged Wheel podcast night with the Grand Rapids Griffins, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. You get access to benefits like the Patreon exclusive discord, all of our bonus content, including the bonus overtime episodes, which record right after these main ones. And you're automatically entered into all of our giveaways. For example, we've given away two tickets to every Red Wings home game this season, the vast majority going to our Patreon supporters. So again, patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. All right, the Red Wings, and there are two games that they've played. They had Anaheim on Monday at home and Winnipeg on the road on Wednesday. Spoiler alert, regulation losses for both, but let's start with the Anaheim Ducks. And I, I, like, I don't know what else to say about this one besides what on earth were the Red Wings doing to go down for nothing. I think, what, half... Just uh, just inside the second period. So essentially in one period of hockey, they went down 4 nothing. 
Well, when you're playing an absolute wagon like the Anaheim Ducks, it's understandable. <laughs> we need to do one of those like cookie cutter things where it can just be like, and the Red Wings went down five goals to the Ducks. <laughs> and we can just copy and paste it because it's just, it, it, like I said before the episode, I can't remember the games that we're going to cover it now because they're all the same. The same thing happens every game. Yeah. Uh, what changes is how justifiable it is. Losing to the Jets, the way they're playing this year, very understandable, especially on the road. Losing to the Ducks at home, not at all justifiable, not at all understandable, completely unacceptable. So much has gone wrong for the Red Wings. Like the theme of all of this, which we're going to talk about is very obviously this team is really, really banged up. The players who are out are out. The players who are in are still banged up and probably are only back because this team is in a spiral right now. They're tired. They've had a ton of hockey in recent days, in recent weeks, I should say. Like looking at December 5th to today is an insane three, seven, nine games. And they have two more on a back-to-back after this episode's recording between Philly and New Jersey with travel. Like that is a lot of hockey. This team is completely gassed they're not getting a save Huso had that game where he made 37 saves but they still lost part of it was because he he made a mistake but still that that was one of the only games in recent memory where I think they got a save the goalies aren't bailing them out sometimes it's the goalies fault sometimes the defense absolutely hangs them out to dry the forwards aren't really playing team defense properly also the offense has disappeared as you know, their best players have either gone cold or are playing injured, very obviously. Through all that, though, it's not an excuse to go down 4 nothing at home to the Ducks. It's just not. You're coming out way too flat. Even if you are banged up and hurt and, you know, off kilter and you just came from, from Philly over the weekend previously and, and you're playing at home against the Ducks, you cannot be going down 4 nothing within a period of hockey. The game was over before it started. You know, the Ducks scored their four goals. Petrie, thankfully, got one up short side on Dostal, and Detroit was had a hope and a dream in the game. And then Alex Dabrinkit scored two power play goals, which was well and good because Dabrinkit needed that. The First of all, the Kane to Dabrinkit connection on the first one. Exciting. That was classic Kane to Dabrinkit. That's why they brought Kane in, and that's, you know, what he was missing with Dabrinkit when he wasn't playing with him. And then the Dabrinkit's second power play goal, you're like, you can do this. Like you as a hockey team can do this, but unfortunately there was what two minutes, two and a half minutes left in the game at that point. So it was kind of pointless, but still like those 20, 30 minutes of complete collapse ruins the fact that even a banged up hockey team could have won that game or salvaged a point. Every hockey player on the planet who's played any level of hockey above house league knows when you're missing your star players or they're playing at 50% and, you know, generally this rule applies to even just one player. So for the Red Wings, that would be a banged up Larkin. But when it's multiple, no Perron, Comfer still hurt, Wallman's playing hurt, you've got your second, third string goalie in. The whole MO of the team is you don't let the other team shoot. We are locking this thing down and we are going to hope to get one or two lucky goals to squeak out a one nothing 2-1 game. Very rarely do you ever get that score line, but that's the mentality. Just, we can't give Joe Valeno Dylan Larkin's hands or skill. We can't, you can't. But what you can do is teach a Joe Valeno, a Michael Rasmussen, a, you know, who the hell ever, how to play sound defense and prevent the other team from doing Dylan Larkin things. They did not do that. Not even a little bit. It was actually shocking how bad it was. This is, you know, when we finish talking about the two games and we get into the bigger conversation of where this team's at, I'll get into it. But this is kind of the first run of the season where I'm looking at it and going the biggest issue right now that is at least fixable is Lalonde. Because I've loved everything he's done to this point in his Red Wings tenure, this stretch is unacceptable. I don't care who you're missing. Bad teams can play good team defense. And the irritating part is we've seen a year and change of them play good team defense. I don't know why for the last three to four weeks that has gone out the window. We've seen 
worse versions of this team play better defense with Derek Lalonde at the helm. So I don't know what he's got to do to motivate the guys, change the systems, whatever it is. It's on him now to fix it because he can't help the fact that Larkin's probably still not 100%. He can't help that Comfort, Perron, whatever, Wallman. Nothing you can do about that. You have to make it work. Whether that's scaling back some of their minutes because they are banged up and not playing well, whether that's altering the system to be even more stingy. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. If I did, I'd be coaching in the NHL, but I'm not. So he has to find what the answer is. You're just one step below right now. Yeah, we're so close. But (laughs) um, it's, I I don't know what the answer is, but he's got to find it. And he has to find it fast because the silver lining of this, everything that's wrong with the Red Wings right now is fixable. Guys are going to get healthy. The structure, in air quotations, that they've been playing lately can be fixed. There's nothing fundamentally different about this team that they were doing in October and November that they can't do now. Yeah, there was some regression expected. They were shooting at an unsustainably high percentage. Everybody a mile away could see that. But they were also defending pretty well at, at, through stretches of that. Some games they outscored their problems. Some games they were able to lock it down. It's hockey. It's how it works. This is just a really prolonged stretch of the downswing, and they need to get out of it before their season gets written off. Because half my thought process going into this episode was, okay, let's talk about the team and how things can get better, or do we start with Macklin Celebrini today? Oh, no, 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 <laughs> Don't even, everyone's been saying, when are the prospect profiles starting as a joke? And I'm like, I don't even want that joke right now. It's the holidays, man. Don't piss me off like that. I, I will If not... I had to suffer through these two games, Ryan. Oh, God. Okay, so you say it's it's a coaching thing and a preparedness thing. And I, I had the same question yesterday in our group chat. Like, how much do you pin on coaching? And a thought I have, and I'm sorry for leaning on this crutch that I talk about episode after episode, is if this team is this gassed and banged up, why don't you get some fresh legs in? Why don't you get some fresh legs in? Edvinson, still, you know, error prone and will make mistakes. You know what? He had nine games in the show. Like, he, he it's not that bad. Like, you've tempered it a little bit. He knows a little bit of what to expect. There's going to be rust. He's going to make mistakes. But the legs are fresh. Berggren, and I, I get it. Like when Costin went out, we'll mention that in a minute here. But when Costin went out, you don't replace Costin with Berggren. That's not the same player. You're, you're not getting the same kind of physicality there. Opposite ends of the spectrum. But his legs are fresher than these guys in the NHL. Like bring in fresher legs, change up the roster, get an injection of of something in there just to give your guys a different look. And if it doesn't work out, well, shit, it's better than what's happening right now. And just to compound on it for the rest of the, the Anaheim game, it ended up being a 4-3 final in regulation for Anaheim. Huso left the game. He had a, a, a big, big stretch that very obviously he pulled something. He is out week to week, significant time. Costin got leveled. And I mean leveled by Radko Gudas. Just a huge, clean, huge hit. And he is out for significant time. It's qualified as week to week. So now you have Huso out week to week. Costing out week to week. Alex Lyon, who they said it would be a complete long shot if he played on Saturday, for example, against New Jersey. So you're looking at probably next week, earliest, what, the Minnesota game on the 27th? That is your two top goalies. In terms of performance, I don't know where Huso lands on that scale, but what the Red Wings consider their two top goalies out, you have Costin out. You have, like you mentioned, you know, Larkin's playing hurt. Confer's playing hurt. Wallman, Wallman and Sider have looked so off. I was actually wondering if they're both hurt. Bring in Edvinson. Bring in Berggren. How bad could it be? How bad could it be? And so you say Lalone. I say Eiserman too. Like you got to give the guys a look here because I understand you're right, Brad. It's not the end of the world. This isn't like this isn't like previous years where we might have said, oh, the season's over. Like, this is what it's going to be the rest of the year. It's not looking good. I, I agree with you that they're going to come back. The guys are going to get healthy. They're going to be able to have, you know, a few days off here for the holidays for Christmas and, and be able to recover a little bit. But there's too much hockey being played in December to just throw away these games right now. 
Oh, yeah, I could go into a much bigger and longer diatribe about uh, some of Iserman's mistakes along the way that have led to this. But to your point specifically, and it does kind of lead to the bigger conversation, which I don't know if that's for this episode or not. Beargren, yes, he should be up. It's, with the way this team's playing, I don't care if he's a direct replacement to Costin. It, it doesn't matter. There's no other options. <laughs> this is the reality of it. There are two guys in Grand Rapids who belong in the NHL right now, and it's Beargren and Edvinson. Beargren, is he going to fill the role that they need to fill right now? No, but you're right. It's a better option than the way half these guys are playing right now. He came up, scored two goals, and they sent him right the hell back. Like, makes no sense to me. He had to for emergency conditions, but I get it. You can but, make a decision otherwise, yeah. Yeah. Edvinson, I think we mentioned it. I don't know if Evan and I mentioned it on one of the episodes you were gone where it's borderline inexcusable he's not up at this point. The way three or four of these defense are playing and the way Edvinson's playing in Grand Rapids, I, I, I don't have a defense for why he's up. Oh, you might have to lose one of these guys to waivers. Who cares? They're not going to get claimed. Exactly. They're not. No anybody one's over, taking. Anybody over two million bucks does not get claimed. On, on waivers. Like, if they don't have a no-move clause and you can actually waive them and they're not one of Detroit's, like, top three defensemen, they're not getting claimed. Exactly. So there's... Uh, that's further to the point of it's inexcusable. Edvinson's not up yet. But who the hell else is there? You know who else sucks right now? The Griffins. You could argue with their first pick in 2019, 2020, and 2021, they took the best player that they had available to them at those picks. Cider, home run. Raymond, home run. Edvinson looks like it was a great pick, maybe even the perfect pick, given who was available. A couple guys are making it interesting, but great pick. Every other pick they've made has been, relatively speaking, poor. There's been a couple, okay, this guy might be something. Yeah, Mazer might be something. Danielson might be something. Sandine Pelica probably looks like the best pick since Edvinson right now. But those are all still new, young. They're not helping now. You know, the Red Wings passed over Stankovin two, three times in that draft. And he's second in AHL scoring right now. And how different does this team look with Stankovin in the system right now? Because they drafted guys who they, outside of the first pick, that they hoped could be third, fourth line guys or middle pairing, bottom pairing defensemen. When our argument all along was, you can find those guys on the market easily. Draft skill. Now, all of a sudden, this team has a major skill issue. And they went out and picked up a bunch of depth forwards and depth defensemen for cheap, which was our whole argument. You can do this. Don't draft these guys. Because you can find them easily. Sherratt, Hull, Mata, Gostasbear, although he's not the type of player we're talking about. Christian Fisher, Clem Costin. You know, I can keep going on and on. It's super easy to find these guys. And that's the problem they're into now because now they're banged up. You can argue they're bunged up in the system too because of how much depth they have. Again, good problem to have, but not in the way you necessarily wanted to get there. And yeah, you're exactly right. What the hell else are they supposed to do right now? Like they're stuck and they're bad and they're hurt and they have no way out. And for some reason, they're just letting... The two guys, it's only two guys, so let's we don't have to go into a huge conversation, but the two guys who should be there not be there. It's it's all backwards. I like I do get the risk. For the other side of the argument here, it's you know, these guys need to be doing making NHL decisions, doing playing the NHL way, and you want to get rid of the most glaring errors in terms of let's say Edmondson. Like a lot of it is he had a bad turnover, I think, the other night. And it cost them a goal or the game. And it was like, that's the kind of stuff where it's it's boneheaded and you can work that out of his game. And I do get that. But defensemen, much like goalies, they don't progress at the same rate as, as forwards. And maybe that's just who Edvinson is. Maybe he's just going to be, you know, a, a really gifted offensive-minded defenseman who is sometimes going to screw you over defensively and you just have to hope that the net contributions on the ice leads to more wins than not. But still, like, did you just describe better Jeff Petrie? That's what I'm saying. Like, it, <laughs> what is it? Get him in now. Get the reps in. I, I, I'm a broken record here for how much I talk about it. Get him in. It's not going great right now. And and like, no, you don't want to throw guys into the fire 
when it's not a good situation for them. For example, when the goalie injuries happened, everyone was like, is this Kosa's time? And it's, God, no. No, 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 no. I'm all about put Edmondson in, and if it doesn't go well, like, let him learn how to tread water here. He's a top 10 pick. He's a big boy. Literally, he's big. What other sport coddles their top 10 picks more than the NHL? Like, if if you're a top 10 pick... Well, baseball, but... (laughs) If you're a top 10 pick, you should be able to come in and like you've got the killer instinct to come in and be like, "This is my team. I'm gonna, I'm gonna right the wrongs and I'm gonna save this sinking ship." Well, we've seen Edvinson play nine games in the NHL, and by all accounts, to anybody good. you talk to, he looked good. Did he blow the doors off the barn coming up to the NHL? No, but he had flashes where you're like, "Oh yeah, right. That's why they picked him seventh overall." But by and large, he was good. There weren't there were mistakes. They weren't that egregious. They weren't that often. The flaws in his game you could definitely notice. But he was nineteen, so sure. I don't know. I'm I'm at a loss for a lot of things right now. But yeah, this might be near the top of the list. I'm gonna bring us back in. How'd the Winnipeg here. game go? Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, we have to. The, the Winnipeg game was the Anaheim game with fewer goals. Patrick Kane had a nice saucer pass to Olimata who buried it and got the Red Wings, actually tied the game for Detroit, got them on the board. And then Winnipeg played like one of the best teams in the league, which is what they are right now, and went up, was it 4-1 before Patrick Kane scored a rebound off a Larkin shot. He actually ended up feeding it to Larkin initially, slider with the secondary assist there. Sherrod also had like a chip forward to, uh, on that play. That was all for that game. Like, defense hanging Reimer out to dry, Reimer not making a save, like the team disappearing for an entire period again, like the second period was a travesty. It was the same thing as the Anaheim game, just in a different order. That's all it was. Also, I was watching that game and I was laughing because I think a really easy narrative, and again, we talked about this last episode, a really easy narrative right now is, oh, the Red Wings are whatever, whatever, one in seven or whatever it is in the Patrick Kane era. And, I'm just like, are you watching? Are no, you- there were a lot of people in my mention saying this is Patrick Kane's fault, and I think you phrased it best before we started recording. Sometimes it's really easy to tell the people who are tweeting and not actually watching the game. Yep. And like you you get pundits who cover the league nationally or, or they only look at numbers or whatever, and they're like, oh, blah, 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 Patrick Kane, this and that. I'm like, no, 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 I genuinely, I hate to be this person, but please watch the damn game. Has Patrick Ga- Kane been perfect? No, like... I don't think he's at game speed yet. You mentioned his physicality, like his, uh, his puck battles. His puck battles look borderline offensive. Like, that is not a guy who Offensive has... in a good way? No, <laughs> no, no. No, no like, yeah, so yeah, hold on. The, the, the duality of Patrick Kane, his puck battles and physical battles and all that looks borderline offensive, but when he has the puck, he looks downright offensive. Yeah, that's, that is true. <laughs> that way we can never be wrong. Uh, he doesn't have the the foot speed. Not that he's going to have a ton of foot speed. He doesn't have the the strength back yet. And he's still been one of Detroit's best players a lot of nights. Oh, he was definitely the best player last night. He's the only one generating very noticeable offense. We talked last episode, Evan, about this team doesn't... Like, they're not necessarily the best at knowing how to play with stars like him. I thought Max had a really good point in his one of his more recent articles. When Kane has had the puck on his stick, especially on the power play, the rest of the team seems to freeze. They don't really know. They're watching just like the rest of us. Yeah, they're like, oh, what's he going to do? Oh, yeah, he's passing to me. My bad. Debrinket scored that one goal, and you actually said before you're recording, Brad, he probably should have more. He should have a lot more. He Debrinket, I feel, has actually been playing all right. I feel one of the things he's sucked at over this stretch is shooting the puck, which is crazy because that's his whole thing. Like In a key moment in the game in Winnipeg last night where, again, after a goal and an assist, Patrick Kane you know, dragged this team back into the game against Winnipeg. And there was a moment, the Wings had a power play. It was 4-2 Winnipeg. And I can't remember if it was Kane or not, but someone gave Dabrinkit a backdoor feed where he had basically an empty net. And he hit the side of the net from like five feet away. That's not Alex Dabrinkit. Is that the one where Larkin raised his hands because he thought he scored? (laughs) Yeah, because that 99 out of 100 times, that puck should go in the net. We're lucky Larkin didn't hurt himself on that play. Like, yeah, it's... I don't know. It's, you know, if you had told us when this Patrick Kane signing occurred, oh, by the way, see how the Red Wings are playing at this current moment in time, at the time of signing, uh, and Kane's going to have 
six points in seven games or whatever it is since he signed. I think we'd be wondering if we were challenging for the division lead. Because the Red Wings were on an absolute heater, signed this guy who we thought could be good, but in all reality might suck. And it turns out, oh no, he's still really good. And he's been really good. His shortcomings are his shortcomings, and that's always been his game. I don't think Patrick Kane's ever going to win a puck battle again. Who cares? I don't think we expected him to. I don't know if he ever did. And six points, and somehow the team went in the tank. It's it's all backwards. Nothing makes sense. You, you're going to be hard-pressed to pin this on one person. I actually think decidedly, like Kane and Ben Sherratt are two of the people who are most excluded from criticism right now. It, like... It's the whole team. And what Brad said at the start of the show or this segment still holds despite all the negative conversation about this team is playing bad and they are bad and and what's going to get better. Genuinely, they they will pull out of this funk. It's been worse. They've been spiraling harder. They've They've had less to work with in the past and they've still come out of it. This is more than anything the boring answer of hurt and tired and a lot of games happening in that span. It's very unlucky. Not that they, you know, have deserved to win, but it's very unlucky that all those things are happening in such a dense scheduling period. It, it that's the the topic line for it. So I I know it's not like a sexy answer, but the Red Wings are going to pull out of it just with some time to breathe and recover and as players slowly get healthier. But the bigger questions do remain of it still shouldn't be this bad. They need to pull out of this funk and they need to be doing something when they get in situations like this because teams do get in situations like this. They need to be doing something on the roster to help the team out a little bit. I'm I'm not going to sit here and guarantee you that all the ideas that we talked about are going to be the ones that work. Like you add in Edmondson and Berggren, by the numbers, do those guys equal wins? Probably not. But you're watching this team flounder right now and you're just like, just shake it up. Just try anything different. Well, it, if nothing else, even if Berggren and Edvinson come up and for all intents and purposes do nothing of value on the ice, it doesn't mean that they ha- that hasn't sent a message to the rest of the team. After watching four Red Wings cave below the goal line, literally, someone sent me a screenshot, and I mean this literally, four Red Wings below their own goal line, which led to a wide open net for Mark Scheifele in front, and all of a sudden one of those guys is not on the team the next day? You know, they wave Petrie or Holt or, of no move, but yeah. or who the hell ever. Doesn't matter. And all of a sudden, this new guy, this young guy there, this high pedigree guy is there. That's a warning shot to the rest of the team saying, if you guys are not playing up to the standards of this team, we'll find someone who will. And a month ago, I think we were saying, yeah, or it was more than a month ago when they had that first rough stretch of the season. It's like, okay, it's way too early to panic and to worry about doing stuff like that. There's a lot of runway left. Teams go through hot and cold streaks, which is all still true. But we're almost halfway through the season. Warning shots can be sent now. Uh, There are guys who have not pulled out of this funk at any point in the season. And, you know, if if it costs an Ole Mata, a Justin Hole, a Jeff Petrie, a, you know, Christian Fisher, I don't care. I'm not saying all these guys deserve it, but if one of these guys is out of a job, Everybody on that team is now on red alert. I think the reason why I'm so adamant about, you know, not losing ground right now, even though I just said they're going to pull out of it, it's going to be fine eventually, is because like when it happened last year, we had half a thought about playoffs, but we didn't seriously think the way they were playing that it would be sustainable or if they snuck in that it would be you know, of much consequence. It would be a miracle, really, if they made it last year. Granted, if a couple months later, they made it very interesting for a short spell there, but the overall sentiment remains. This year, they had genuine foundation and ground beneath them in a playoff spot. They had points banked. They had a lot of mileage between them and teams who were trying to catch up, or at least more than they've had in most of a decade. And that's what's crumbling away, which is why I'm like, no, you have to accelerate it. You have to have some urgency. Even if the sky isn't falling, you do need to get the team into shape. And just like, it's easy to say, all right, don't overreact, don't panic. But games are being played. Like you said, Brad, these are consequential games. You're you're almost halfway through the season. A lot of 
working out of where teams are in these eventual playoff standings is happening right now. It's not waiting until after the Christmas breaks. Other teams are playing the Red Wings and they're gaining points on them. So even though it's going to be okay, eventually you need to be doing what you can to get it fixed as soon as possible. You really got to limit the damage. 100%. It's all about damage mitigation. If you're, if you're banged up and hurt and you know you're going to have a tough spell, you don't just throw in the towel, which is not what the Red Wings are doing. I'm, I'm not trying to insinuate that. It's about sa- like staying afloat, salvaging a points, doing what you can to get out of it without being so far in the red. Every team in the NHL, even the best teams, have rough stretches. Every NHL team is streaky to some degree. The difference between the elite teams and the bad teams. When Boston went on their cold streak in November, they were able to nip it at like 1-3-1. and one. The Red Wings are 1-6-1, and 1-7-1, one, and one, whatever it is now. It has to end here. They've got back-to-backs coming up against two teams that they are directly challenging for wildcard spots. They need to come out of that with at least 50% of the points and then rest and recuperate over the Christmas break desperately do what they can to reset whatever that is and then come out of the gate flying after Christmas. They have to because it's a bad stretch and they just can't let that fall go too far. So despite all this negative, you know, conversation and the negativity cannot like reiterate this enough. It is not over for the Red Wings. They are not out of it. You know, they're not doomed but they do have to turn it around sooner rather than later. If we are having this conversation still in two weeks, it might be over. That's the reality of the Eastern Conference. Uh, I have a hard time believing that based just based on last year. No, anything is possible. But speaking statistically, like Ottawa, they've played, they're in the weird position where they've played so many fewer games than every other team. But up to two, three weeks ago, they were hanging in there. They were just a hair over 500. I think a game over 500 still had a 30-something percent chance at the playoffs. And then they lost five in a row. And now they have a 6% chance. In the Eastern Conference, it can go fast. And we talked about the importance at the beginning of the season of the Red Wings banking points. I think every one of us sat here, and I think everybody listening had the same thought of what they were doing for long stretches at the start of the season wasn't sustainable. We all knew it. But they were banking points. They were building up that savings account for when it mattered. They've spent a lot of that savings account this month now. So they have to start banking again if they want to get into the playoffs. So like we mentioned, the Red Wings upcoming have Philly at home on the 22nd. I'll be at that game, by the way, if anyone wants to say hi. And then New Jersey on the road on the 23rd. And that is their last game before the Christmas break, they're off the 24th, 25th, 26th. But then they're, you know, in Minnesota on the 27th. So it's just a few days off. It's not different than, you know, some other stretches of, of break that they would otherwise have. And then it's still games every other day. Minnesota, a day off. And then they're against Nashville at home, day off. And then New Year's Eve, they're against uh, Boston at home. And then, you know, they get into one day off and then San Jose and then a day off and then LA on the West Coast and then two days off. Like there's... Even with the Christmas break, they're not done. They have, you know, games every other day and then a West Coast road swing. So, yeah, we'll see. As to what we're doing, we have this episode today and then we're going to take a week off. We take our usual Christmas break and we'll be back with you on the 28th. So the Philly game, the New Jersey game, and the Minnesota game will have happened between now and our next episode. Anyways, that was a little too cheery, so let's get to something serious. Uh, Dylan Larkin had a, well, pretty much he put some words out in the media upon returning to the lineup, which he did on Monday and had some scathing words for the NHL. There's uh, some questions about, you know, refereeing and their part to play in it. And he said, you know, the NHL has the best refs in the league, but in terms of what the league itself, or the NHL is the best refs in the world, I should say, but what the league itself is doing to protect the players is where he has a lot of concern. Uh, he said things like, you know, the last week in the league has been pretty eye-opening. It's been a trend. You know, he's talked to guys on his team and other teams, and it's hard to feel safe out there. It's hard to know how to protect yourself, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a sentiment that's been going around. I know Good Branson had a lot of, obviously, words based on his suspension after the Cousins incident. 
it wasn't nothing. I also feel for Larkin, like very obviously, like it it rattled him. Seeing the video back cannot be easy. It's hard, like you understand where he's coming from, and you, like when he says like he he doesn't like looking back at that incident, and he almost feels like I don't know. You could sense like a, a shame in that, but like there's no need. Like that was just no part of that was on him. Very obviously. Anyways, just to you you feel for Larkin hearing those comments, and he has a point, like. You can boil down any single play into, oh, it's because of this or that freak accident or whatever. But at the end of the day, the league has a safety problem right now. It does, and it's of their own doing. And it's easy to sit here and look at the Department of Player Safety and talk about how they spin their wheel being a big reason. It obviously it is. It's probably the biggest reason, but we've beaten that department to death so many times, uh, no sense rehashing it. The part that Larkin said that I think was interesting was saying this isn't on the refs. This is the refs just ref the game how they're instructed to ref the game. And I I do think there's a lot of credence to that statement. You know, you get in incidents like you know the stick throwing incident against Seattle, and you go, oh, see the refs suck. And yes, that is just an incompetent ref making a bad decision or missing something that he should never miss. But what we saw a couple weeks ago, where in one weekend there was three hitting from behind incidents that were handled in three different ways. Like, you know, one guy got kicked out, one guy didn't get a penalty at all, another guy only got a two-minute minor after be, after the refs reduced it, tells me the refs saw the infraction but have no clear guidance onto what that should be called. And then... That happens. It's a bad weekend. And then there's two more the following weekend after it became a huge talking point in the media and both guys were tossed from the game. Where it, The NHL is always reactionary on stuff like that. And that was the perfect example of it. They never get ahead of stuff, of safety issues in the NHL. So Larkin's a thousand percent right. If the refs don't know what to call a dangerous play or what the mandate is or what the protocol is or what the standard is, yeah, it's never going to be consistent. And to up uh, to that specific point, he's right. That's on the league, not the refs. As long as the Department of Player Safety is conducting itself as it has been, you know, the odd one where they get right here and there, but by and large, they're very willing to let plays like this go unpunished. And the the suspensions are way too light a lot of the times, and a lot of dangerous plays are allowed to, to go, and then the refs are instructed to not call them as heavily, then... You have a recipe where on the ice, nothing's being policed and with the league, nothing's being policed. And then you have prawns going out there and cross-checking guys in the head because that's your only recourse. Well, how do you how do you have a CBA and the NHLPA? You're trying to argue both sides. You know, you're trying to protect the players, but you're also trying to reduce suspension length for the players. Yeah. So there's a bit of a... It's a conflict. It's a conflict of interest for sure. So I don't know how you, I mean, the refs in the player department, the the department of player safety can just call things and we can see where that goes and create some, some consistency, see what what that, how that works. I, I think that would be a good place to start, but the NHLPA has their hand on both sides of the table here. So I don't know how from a, CBA perspective, they can really negotiate around it to serve both parties. It's going to be driven by the players. You know, like you're starting to see guys voice this in the media, like Larkin is, like Good Branson is. It's going to start to be driven by the players to say, hey, look, we don't want us being suspended for 40 games for, you know, one bad hit, of course. But at the same time, like there needs to be some some accountability in here to make sure some goon, some bum doesn't come and destroy my career. Look how long Kyle Connor's out. Look how he's out 60. That is one of the best scores in the NHL on a team that is very much making noise in the Western Conference. He's out, what, six to eight weeks off from, yep. from a knee-on-knee incident that saw no additional suspension. Is that fair? I don't know. You want to boil everything down to nuts and bolts of an individual play and you say blah 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 oh he didn't necessarily do this and you can only attribute so much to a a freak accident or a random confluence of events eventually you have to have some kind of mechanism to make it so there's a policing of the game and it is best to do it not through the players because when players do it 
Artem Zub gets cross-checked in the face for no reason. But that's what you get, right? Like, either the referees have the mandate or the league comes down in retrospect and players start to hold themselves with a little bit of accountability. And like you said, Evan, the NHLPA is going to be conflicted until the players push that forward. The league has to protect its stars. The league has to protect its players. Plain and simple. The way the PA can get involved in this, and I'm there is a way to do this that would be far more you know, eloquent and proper. But essentially what they need to do is send out an email to their entire base, to all the players, with just that clip of Jim Carrey from Liar Liar where he's yelling into the phone, stop breaking the law, asshole. And then just put RE hitting from behind and cross checks to the head. And then you're on your own if you do this again. Obviously, phrase it better, but there's only so much you can do if you guys keep trying to kill each other. It's tough because I think there's a big conversation about where's hockey going right now in terms of physicality and the hockey we grew up with. But right now, I don't see, I don't think that's where the argument is. Like, I think there's stuff happening right now that was bad when we were growing up. Oh, don't get me started on that physicality argument. I've never lost more brain cells than reading some of those arguments online this week. It's like the hitting, for, like the good Branson hit. We talked about it last episode, Posternock on uh, Lindgren. Like all of those incidents would have been a problem back in the day. Yeah. This it's, has nothing to do with minor hockey or the sport. This is in like the big hits that I love to see because I think physicality and checking is part of hockey. It's what makes it hockey. It's what sends our monkey brains on fire and gets us cheering in the stands. Those big hits still have a place in the game. And I, I we're not talking about lately. We're not talking about Jacob Truba's big hits, which are borderline and maybe uncomfortable to watch if it's your favorite team he's hitting. That's not what it is. It's, it's the hit where players have no respect anymore. And a lot of it, Evan made a really good point last episode. It's a function of this game is getting, I know you have to really wrinkle your brain to remember just, what you your just said. I don't believe it. The game is getting faster and it's getting harder to control your body, but not to the degree. Like the stuff you've been seeing is just like cousins on good brands. And that's, you can't have that crap in the game. You can't plain and simple. Maybe the answer is the stop signs on the back of the jerseys. They can't read anyway. Like I said, last, <laughs> I remember this last episode. I don't know if they get that far in grade ten, their grade 10 education. It's, uh, I don't know, man. I'm happy Larkin said something. And I, I think that would be the beginning of some kind of change. Also, why is it always Larkin? It's always Larkin. It's always the best players. And the Red Wings, sounds bad to say, haven't had many other players worth targeting over the years if you're the opponent. So, yeah. of course, it was going to be Larkin. From an entertainment standpoint, though, you know what the one thing he never said in his availability there? At no point did he let Matthew Joseph off the hook. You know how players always, you know, say, oh, you know, in the heat of the moment, things happen. I know a guy didn't mean to do X, Y, or Z or any of that. No, he didn't do that. So I'm very excited for this next Red Wings Senators oh, game. Oh, there's... So he's getting run. And he we when you were gone, Evan and I had a long, long talk about how the Red Wings should handle that. But if you're into player, like game-worn equipment, there will be a yard sale that day. Oh my God! Will there ever be? Hopefully, Costin's back by this then. This pair of gloves comes with a tooth. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know where it is in there, but it's in there, and we don't know whose it is. There was several of them. <laughs> we uh, we can do a gap matching exercise afterwards. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, more on suspensions and stuff. Again, I can't believe how remarkably wrong I was about this when I said no. The NHL will move through this quickly because I've seen them do appeals processes quickly in the past. Yeah, the, the clock was run out on Perron's suspension. That is absolutely embarrassing. Where is so, the P The PA should be all over that. That is an embarrassment from the PA. The only way I'll come off this is if it turns out like, oh, the, the you know, this is Perron didn't have time or this was actually. What, what, what else was he doing? <laughs> he had nothing but time. Like Perron got a six game suspension. The NHL rules. If it's five or more, you get to appeal. First appeal goes to the commissioner. If he doesn't change it and they want to appeal. That's further, an email. If they want to go further, it goes to a third-party arbiter. They only met with Perron and Bettman only met at the five-game mark. Five-game mark. And then what happens? Bettman has 48 hours to rule. And then the sixth game passes. And no matter what, Detroit does not get Perron back. Now, if, if Bettman determines no change, Perron can still appeal further. 
And you're going to say, oh, what's that going to do? He already missed the games. Well, he gets his salary back. It's but, happened twice, Weidman and Wilson. They Tom Wilson's 20-game suspension got reduced to a 14-game, and that happened after the 19th game. So if you say, oh, six games, really, that's not a long time. They're all busy people. After the 19th game with Tom Wilson, and I think Weidman's got reduced to 10 games, and it was after like the 14th game or something like that. So, no, yeah, it's a league that just has no respect for their players whatsoever. It's It's petty. It's petty. Like, oh, the f- the first appeals to the commissioner, then he has to be able to hear it in a timely manner within, you know. Get it in the CBA. Forty. It's on the NHLPA. It's on the NHLPA to, to litigate this because it's so stupid. And I'm not even sitting here saying, oh, Perron's suspension should be wiped out. No, he should have been suspended. I think there's precedent for a four or five game rather than a six. But it just, it pisses me off. Like. The process should be, if Gary Bettman wants to be the guy, great. Then he has to be able to meet within 48 hours. And if he can't, then he appoints someone or there's a next in line and they have to have that meeting within 48 hours. The ruling within 24, the third-party arbiter meeting within another 24, and their ruling within 24. And if you miss three games in that span because of a, a wrinkle in your schedule, that's going to happen from time to time. But running out the clock on six games, holy, what are we doing? Sick league. It's this like best sport, worst league vibes times a million. Oh my God. What a, sorry for such a, every December we come out with such a depressing episode. Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Today's the first day we've seen sun in almost 20 days. So maybe things are turning around. Yeah, maybe. All right. Positive stuff. Actually, Red Wings uh, going to the world juniors confirmed. Trey Augustine for the States, Nate Danielson for Canada, Kevin Bicker for Germany, who's a very intriguing prospect, actually, so I'm excited to see him there, Anton Johansson and Axel Sandin Pelka for Sweden, and those are the Red Wings of the World Juniors, so maybe we will get some good Red Wings hockey over the holidays. All right, NHL news. DJ Smith. Ottawa did it. They fired DJ Smith, head coach. Ottawa fans, someone I saw saw someone tweet out, this is Ottawa fans uh twelve twenty-five. This is their Christmas day. They were they were screaming for it. They had no choice. I understand Ann Lauer came in, Steos came in, they fired Dorian, which was gonna happen no matter what, but they didn't want to fire DJ Smith for the sake of stability, but that team was the senators were basically done with Smith before the season started. And in the most Ottawa Senators thing imaginable, they made him suffer through the whole season and then fired him the week of Christmas. It was a really weird, like I understand the want for stability, but you don't have to have watched a lot of Ottawa games to understand why he that, that move needed to be made. Their best players weren't playing the best. Brady Kachuk seems more interested in the penalty box and the ice right now. They're they're losing games left and right. They're they're in a worse spot and have been in a worse spot than the Red Wings in terms of even short term windows for a while now. Like that team should be way ahead of where they are, and that coach should have been gone two months ago. I mean, you look at a lot of the things that a coach can't control for the most part. You know, the Kachuk family has a great reputation for the grit and character they bring to a locker room. So I want to know how and when Brady Kachuk turned into the biggest piss baby captain in the NHL. Like, oh, he fights a lot. Great. When they're down 5-1 in the third period and he grabs some an unwilling combatant. Like, There's a function to his game. Like, I think he plays a game that's really valuable, but he, he has lost the plot lately. A thousand percent. And, you know, they've been out of the playoff race for a month now. So again, you fired the guy the week of Christmas when there was ample opportunity long before that. And then they replaced him with a 71-year-old who hasn't coached in the NHL in four years. Jacques Martin came in. Although Daniel Alfredson, Red Wings legend as assistant coach, is pretty cool. That is cool. And and Jacques Martin's the interim coach. They're very obviously just seeing what the team does. I, yeah, I don't know if Alfredson is necessarily next. I have no idea. But he'll and you be can, on that bench until he's ready. And you can see the immediate turnaround. I, they replaced DJ Smith with Martin and Alfredson and immediately went 3 nothing. Up 3 nothing in their next game against Arizona. And Must be happen. nice to go up 3 nothing. <laughs> yeah. What's that like? That was still an L for them in regulation, but they, you know, it was it was fun while it lasted. I remember checking in on the score of that game saying, oh, yep, there's the new coach boost. Yep. It and, lasted all of two periods. And then I saw Arizona completes the comeback. I was like, oh. Well, usually God. you change your ways when the calendar turns over. So yeah. let's, uh, let's not get too down on them. Everyone's, yeah. 
I mean, there's only 100 games for Detroit between now and 2024. But hey, once 2024 hits, that's when they're really going to turn a new leaf. So uh, it, it was the right move by Ottawa. And as a Red Wings fan, you were hoping that they wouldn't make it so they would stay floundering for longer. I imagine they're going to get some kind of rebound from this. Didn't happen right well, there's away. There's going to be lots of rebounds in Ottawa. Have you seen their goaltending this year? Yeah, that was predictable, though. Yeah, that was... Well, they've only got, a, what, three more years left of Corpus Allo as their starter? That was a lot of term for that goalie. Like, eh. that was Pierre Dorian trying to save his job. Three years above, uh, with a positive goal saved above expected in his eight-year career. Who could have seen that coming? More NHL news. The Bally Sports future saga continues as the Diamond Sports Group, which controls Bally, that's their parent company, is in talks with Amazon. Potentially, Amazon might be investing. And is this a situation where we see Amazon Prime as a location for for Bally Sports God. games? That would be pretty great. They've done they've done streaming in the past. They have, you know, some history with sports, like live sports and things like. For the sake of, you know, the actual tech infrastructure, Bally's been suffering a lot this year. And for the sake of the long-term security of the the Bally Sports, like Bally Sports Detroit and all the other NHL teams that use Bally or have used Bally, like it would be great to have the mega dollars of Amazon behind them so that we can at least have some kind of consistency for local broadcasts here. I'm very, if this is true, I'm very curious on how this will all work out Will it be included in Amazon Prime? And if that's the case, sign me up. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's an extra fee, but. Uh, never mind that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what it is, but I think more than anything else, we'll, I just hope for like a, the long-term stability. Like right now, the NHL is negotiating with the Diamond Sports Groups on how much of their overdue payments they're even going to collect, which is a fraction of it at this point. Well, if you want to talk stability, Amazon is obviously one of the largest companies in the world, which is good and bad because trying to negotiate with a company the size of Amazon would be extremely difficult. And they just, they're like, here's our offer, take it or leave it. It's not a, it's not a negotiation. So the NHL may or may not like how this goes, if it is Amazon as the the next broadcaster for the Red Wings, but as a consumer, I'm definitely interested. What's Jeffrey Bezos's email address? I'm going to send him the highlight reels for I Pavel Datsuk dangles. And I Carmel guarantee hits. you, Gary Bettman doesn't even have it. <laughs> no, no, that's that's <laughs> so far above his head. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. Anyhow, we'll see where that one goes. There's also some conversation about uh, Nolan Patrick, who's the former second overall pick behind Nico Heischer in his draft year, who has suffered terrible you know, chronic concussion symptoms and other injuries that have led to him not playing as much or as well as he was projected to. He was actually all that year. I still remember he was projected the first overall pick until pretty much the 11th hour. And then teams got wise or New Jersey, I should say, got wise to the injury history. But uh, it was reported that he was retiring. That has come out as not officially confirmed. But regardless, I feel a lot for Nolan Patrick. That's a tough one to see. But it seems like if and when he does choose to hang him up or officially call it, whether that's soon or he's going to keep trying down the line, he'll have a place in the game in like a a coaching or player development capacity. All right. Anything else before we get into overtime here? Nope. All right. Overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Podcast. if you want to support the show. Again, the Discord, the ticket giveaways, uh, the overtime bonus episodes, and lots more are part of your benefits, and you help us run Winged Wheel Podcast Nights in partnership with the Detroit Red Wings and the Grand Rapids Griffins. You help us support the Jamie Daniels Foundation. You help us grow the show, and you help us have some kind of holiday cheer going into the holiday break. Again, patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. Let's take some questions from our patrons. Joseph Barry says, are we officially in panic mode for the season after how terrible this month has been? So is this a summary of our previous topics? I am going to say both yes and no. Yes, in that if you want to have playoff hopes, you need to try to recover December and make it so that as of January 1st, we're thinking of two Decembers rather than one. But know in that this isn't the end of the team and the whole season's not shot and things like that. But uh, it's not nothing. Anyone trying to minimize the skid right now is, you, you can't skip over this. 
but it's not the be-all end-all. The Mexanadian says, while it looks bad last season when the Wings blew up in December, they came back to win six straight in January. Maybe it's just me, but I seem to have more faith in the team this year. That's And that's what I'm referring to, but what I will say is having to rely on six-game win streaks is a not the best recipe. They'll happen, but you can't schedule those. Otherwise, you'd do it all the time. Ryan's dismissive of, of the idea. Seven-game win streak incoming. Oh. <laughs> If that's the kind of reverse jinxing it can do to make amends for, you know, going on vacation and somehow spurring all of this, I'll absolutely do it. Eric Asmus says, boy, oh boy, has the air ever come out of the balloon with this team? I sure hope they can steer out of the skid. Taking my son to his first game next week against the Wild, and I hope they don't look like a dumpster fire. Win for the kids, Detroit. Saying all that, it sort of feels like they need to get Berggren and Edvinson up soon, but when you look at all the term on the defensive contracts, I don't know how you even get Edvinson onto the roster. Ghost is a UFA, but I don't think anyone wants him to be the odd man out. This feels like a major test for Eisenman and Malone's leadership. Yeah, part of the bigger conversation about, you know, how does this team get better and, and what do they do in the future? I'm going to go back to my answer that I've had a million times, and I think it's a, it's going to seem like a lazy one, but it's a, it's an honest one. The rebuild isn't done. All the assets they need to be a good team perennially aren't in the system yet. There needs to be more GMing happening. That's just the reality of it. Detroit's not had the lottery luck. You know, they've had some good draft picks. They have a lot of concerning draft picks right now that came with very high, like, draft stock. Like, they spent a lot of draft capital on Kosa. They spent a lot of draft capital on Casper. Like, you are going to need... It's going to need to look better than it is right now, and things change. It's way too early to make declarations. With all that going well, Eisenman still has to make moves. And that includes the defense as well. I I used to think a lot more concretely in terms of, oh, this contract runs this long or this contract runs that long. Buyouts, trades, it all can happen way easier in, in the modern NHL. GMs have become wise to it. There's always a team willing to take a bad contract for a, a draft pick. But it still needs to happen. Red Feather Desert Dog says, seeing the Coyotes ahead of the Red Wings in the standings on December 21st, albeit not by much, is weird. If Detroit had Arizona's goaltending, I think the Red Wings would be a lock for a divisional playoff slot this year. Oh, can you imagine they had Ingram in net? Like, through everything that's been going poorly for Detroit, we are not having this, you know, gloomy of an episode if they had a goalie stealing wins, we would be saying, Hey, this is concerning. You cannot lean on a goalie stealing games like this. It's not sustainable, but we'd be celebrating because they'd be in a divisional playoff seat right now. They're just not getting the save. Every team has goalies steal games multiple over the course of the year. I'm sure there's been a couple this year for Detroit, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. Like, and the two good games they played a week ago, the Red Wings lost both because they couldn't score. (laughs) It was so stupid. One nothing and two one because of course, or three one, whatever it was, because of course. And me and Evan mentioned it. Like both of those game winning goals for the opposing teams came off of a Red Wings mistake. Confer own goal was it, and then the the Huso Hall mess up to pass it right in front. Like, yeah, the even, Red Wings. Even when they're good, they're bad. It's hard. Like <laughs> it's hard to not have a full episode and say like. At the end of the day, good goaltending would save this, but it doesn't, like, it's not an excuse. You can't live that way. Every team that wins perennially or has success over the course of a season, they have a good goaltender behind them. Very few, like, think maybe Colorado, when they won the cup, they won with an average goaltender, I'd say. But that team was, oh my God, that was one of the unstoppable. They were such a complete hockey team. Such a complete hockey team. That's hard to do. And they had to suck for a long time to get those players. But otherwise, you really do need good goaltending, and Detroit just hasn't had it on a consistent basis. And now the one who was good for at least a little bit there is hurt. And the one who's supposed to be good is hurt. And the one they're left with has not been good. Or, you know, had some games with good stats, but the way he was playing caught up with him. And now they have decidedly below average goaltending. Hear me out. Michael Hutchinson. Who, I I don't think even we even mentioned on this episode for he, good reason <laughs> he was the one that they signed to basically fill in the gap between getting whoso or lion back whichever one it is and again because it didn't make sense to bring up kosa actually funny comment here from norris sider this is is it just me or does hutchinson's signing picture look more like his mugshot from azkaban hopefully he can accio us some wins cheers boys merry christmas and happy holidays yeah he looks uh he's got goalie eyes for sure 
Rose says, uh, I've seen people on Reddit saying Cider played better under Blashill than he has been under Newsy. Is there any truth to that, do you think? And is Newsy on the hot seat now? Newsy's not on the hot seat. End of story period. It's That's just not what the, the scenario is right now. Like that is, they're not even remotely close to thinking about that in Detroit. This is still a team in process. It took seven years of Blashill being a mediocre to bad coach before they got rid of him. I think Newsy's getting more than a year and change. Yeah. Uh, is Cider, was Cider playing better under Blashill? It's a funny statement because it, it, it popped up as a meme, but there is some truth to it. Like Cider's being asked to do different things now. Uh, he's playing a lot tougher minutes now. I still think there's parts of his game that he was doing better in his rookie season than he is now. But at the same time, he's not the way he's being deployed, the kind of minutes he's eating. It's not, it's just not the same ball game. I don't know if you want to say that his rookie season was the most exciting one. I I would not be able to, to really argue with you, but he's, he's growing into, it's not always glamorous being the number one defenseman on a team with defensive responsibilities. It doesn't always show up in ways that are fun to see on the ice. I would like to see his neutral zone breakups get back to the level that I know they can be for cider, but yeah. Okay. Next question here. Bill Nye the Thigh Guy says, seeing the Red Wings with and without Larkin is a very stark difference. I think it cements we're still very uh, much a fringe playoff team and nowhere near a cup team. Might not be the best comparison, but Tampa lost Stamkos and they could still go full steam ahead. Until we get that level of depth, I'm not convinced we're close to a cup contending team. On the bright side, Rass is looking better, so that counts for something, right? Yeah, Rass has, has picked up his play of late. That's the problem, though. A lot of the depth guys are the ones playing well. Valeno's good. Rasmussen's been playing great, and you love to see it, but to your first point, the depth isn't the issue on this team. No. No. Dennis uh, Grube says, Lalone has played with the forward lines quite a bit, but hasn't really done anything defensively. What defensive adjustments could be made at this point to bring meaningful change? Simon Edvinson. Yeah, I fully agree. Okay, hear me out. Don't get mad at me. Cider. Sherrod. <laughs> at this you know I don't you know desperate times call for desperate measures Cider was someone else temporarily to allow Wallman to recalibrate I don't he hasn't been right since crashing headfirst into the net in Sweden I don't know if Cider's hurt too but they're they're out of sync those two but we've seen Cider Sherat they, they were always out damn of it sync. get Petrie in there or no, no. Okay, hear me out. If we're just going to be dumb, cider and four forwards. <laughs> <laughs> just go full, fully outscore our problems. It's what worked the first two months. Let's get back to it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the actual answer is here. Edvinson. Like, yeah, Edvinson. Cider but, Edvinson. But do you do any kind of, do you make any kind of change? in terms of pairings right now? Because like, Sider Wallman needs a shakeup, or do you just wait to see it through? They're good enough that I, I think it's just getting healthy with them, and they'll be fine because we've seen it for the better part of a year and a half now. I Beyond that, yeah, I don't have good answers, but so, change something, anything. Do you try Sider Mata for a little bit? Not that Mata's been lights out this year by any means, but... Sure. Why not? Yeah. It's funny is uh, another thing about these goalies is that there's so many teams in the league looking for goalies now. And by so many, I mean like relative to what's normal, which is zero. But, you know, LA looking for a depth style goalie, Carolina looking for options, etc. What terrible timing. What terrible timing for Detroit to lose who's so in line. Could have got a fourth round pick for Reimer. Yeah, 100%. And you might be saying, well, what's a fourth round pick going to do? statistically nothing, but you free up a roster spot. You could use that fourth round pick to unload Jeff Petrie's contract. Among other things. Like it's, you want to free up a spot for Edvinson? Boom. You're either an asset to do it or you straight up just free up a roster spot and just have 10 million defensemen on the roster. I don't care what you do really, but just God awful timing. Detroit has to hope that by the time their goalies get healthy, they have a solution or the other teams don't have a solution yet and they can still move one. 
but they were essentially were hanging on to three goalies all year for this purpose. And now they look like me in fantasy football when I hung on to players way too long on my bench because I was like, oh, I'm going to use this guy as a trade chip. And now they're all injured or useless. So they've been exposed as bad. And now you're like, now I'm the one who needs a, a second quarterback or whatever it is. Anyways. All right. We're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Folks, again, we are off on holiday break. Sincere apologies for a... <laughs> I apologize for nothing. If I had to suffer through those games, you all can suffer too. Gloomier episode than uh, we wanted to before the holidays, but I don't know any way we could have come on here and had a bright and cheery one. That's just what we're, where we're at, but hey, it's going to get better. So we're off. We'll be back with you on December 28th. In the meantime, have a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. However you celebrate, please be safe. Have fun. Spend it with your loved ones if you can. And uh, otherwise, enjoy. Thank you. I might uh, be able to edit something and put out some bonus content for you, but we'll see what I'm able to do within the throes of the holiday. Uh, But for now, thank you all so very much. We'd like to thank all of you for listening uh, to Labatt Blue Light for sponsoring this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, to all of our listeners, new and old, and to our Patreon supporters, especially our name-level sponsors. Arjun Shanker, Eze Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefer, Samuel Soderholm, Raymond's Missing Tooth, Icon, Brad's Lord and Savior, Bradley Cleveland, Glenn Brabham, Croner's Left Knee, Ashley Van Conant, Sea Lion, Keenan O'Donoghue, Yanni Burgers, Meals on Wheels, Matthew M. Rice, Admiral Matt S. of the Cheesebag Navy, Beardless Evan is Cursed. What? You have a beard right now. No, oh, anyways. Oh, yeah. Brad Shin Extensions, Shin Extension Baggins, Carl Brutananananaluski. Oh, yeah, we told everyone you were gone last episode to get a consultation for Shin Extensions. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, Carl Provi, Citizen High Five, Clip Clop Nene, Connor Scovey, Craig Kibble, Denny's Gamer Girl, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Eric Shun, who's a brand new name level supporter, G.O.D. Creatives, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Hockey Town Love, Hockey Town Matt, Hassam Alkasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Joel Miranda, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Marcus, Marlon Winchester, Matt K. Cannon Fodder, The Cheesebag Army, Matt McKay, Michael Edland, R.A., Red Feather Desert Dogs, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Scree and Lube. That's what I appreciate about you. Utah Wings fan, who's a brand new name level supporter. Welcome to the Dub Dub Club. Wallman's Elite Dancing D, Iser Plan Stan, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, a long December and there's reason to believe maybe this year will be better than the last. A.B., Adam Rose, Axel Sandy Pelica, Big Cheese, Brad Simmons, Brian Vasha, Chuck Buffchest, the Tarpless Goon, Commander Ben Barron of the Cheesebag Space Force, Connor, Connor Leighton, Corey Prita, Darren Fick, D-Boss Snip Show, Dungeon Master of Puppets, Frank Stanley, Gene Sullivan, Gotta Set the Tone Boys, Griffey Boy, James Laporte, James Pridemore, Jeremiah Dobo, J.M. Rhapsody, John Evans Derogatory, John Ingalls, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Les Grossman's Ungodly Firestorm, who's a brand new name level supporter, Linda Hall, Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, Norris Sider, O. Ophelia, Steven, The Hodag, The Mexinadian, The Hat123, Winging It in San Diego, ex formerly A.A. Ron, and your second favorite patron. Thank you so very much, folks. Happy holidays. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.